He didn't see crowds. He saw individuals. And it's so important that we realize that as we come today, Jesus is looking right at your individual need. And it says that he was moved with compassion. Do you know that it is compassion that gives you a burden to carry someone else's need? It's compassion that helps you do that. And Jesus had compassion. He felt the burden of someone else's need and he was moved into action. That's what compassion means. It means to carry someone else's need. So Jesus went and he felt the burden of their need and he met their need by healing the sick. It was in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, that says, And when Jesus, he had come out and he saw the great multitude, he was moved again with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Oftentimes when the Lord wants you to become involved in a certain area of ministry or in life, or he gives you a burden for someone, you know what he does is he first, in your heart, gives you compassion. You know it's compassion that allows you to move into action? That it, it opens your heart to have an open hand to help someone else? Because without compassion, we will never meet the needs of others around us. And here Jesus comes with an open heart and an open hand that starts with compassion. And it says this as we continue reading this event, that when it was evening now after Jesus was hurting himself... After Jesus was meeting the needs of the people as he looked at individuals, that his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place or this is a very inconvenient location, Jesus. <laughs> and look what he tells them. The hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages to buy themselves food. Now the disciples came and they saw numbers while Jesus saw individuals. And they came to Jesus with complaints instead of coming to Jesus with compassion. And they wanted to disown the responsibility that was at hand. That these people needed something to eat now. And they said, Jesus, this was a very inconvenient place. It's already late. Send them away that they go into villages and buy themselves food. Now, do you see that Jesus never wants to send any of us away from fellowship with him empty? There is never a time where you're going to go into fellowship with Jesus Christ that he is going to send you away empty. Because he is going to satisfy every single one of your needs. And it tells us here that in verse 16, Jesus responds to them and it says, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. <laughs> it's not necessary that they depart empty-handed. It's not necessary that they break fellowship with me this way. In fact, right here, what Jesus is going to do is he's not only going to challenge their compassion, but he's also going to challenge their faith. And I want to ask you today, if Jesus were to challenge your compassion and he were to challenge your faith, where would he find it? Do you have compassion for the needs of other people around you? In fact, do you have faith to step out and meet those needs? Because it's faith through compassion that meets needs around us. I love that Jesus comes and challenges our compassion and our faith even today. You know that it's faith that makes you usable in the hands of God? And here they're going to learn a very important lesson. That Jesus doesn't want to send people away empty. So go tell it to Jesus first. 
But then here in verse 17, bring it to Jesus. Maybe you have a burden, bring that to Jesus. You have a need, bring that to Jesus. You have little resources, bring those little resources to Jesus now. Because here in verse 17 it tells us, And they said to them, We have here only five loaves and two fish. Have you ever gone to Jesus and said, This is only what I have? It's very little. Now we're going to learn here that very little, little is much in the hands of God. Very little can turn into something and be multiplied in the hands of God. So Jesus said, bring that to me. Trust me with it. Surrender that what you do have and make it available to me. And, and notice this. Your job here as we see that Jesus multiplies the bread and the fish is not to multiply the bread or the fish. But it's just simply to bring it to the hands of Christ. And they're saying, but this is the only thing that we have. Before we ask God to do the impossible, notice, let's start with giving the Lord what is possible and what He's already given to you. Because here in verse 19, as they bring those small resources to Jesus, notice what happens in verse 19, that He commanded them, He gave them an order now. As you brought it to me, now follow my word. And it says here, and have the multitude sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke. And he gave to the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Jesus starts here with compassion. He says, we're not going to send them away. In fact, I want you to have your own personal ownership or responsibility for the needs of other people. And I want you to feel their burden. In fact, he says, bring me what you do have. He blesses it or he prays for it and then he breaks it. <laughs> Isn't that a story, a beautiful picture of what the Lord wants to do even in our lives? That as he wants to use our lives, he's going to break us to make us usable. He's going to break us to now make us usable and a blessing in the lives of other people now. And here you're going to see the providence or the hand of providence in the, ha uh, in the lives of the disciples and of the crowd now. That Jesus came, he blessed, and he broke. Now you see that they had to have faith to bring that to the Lord. But notice what happens here. Because Jesus not only meets the needs of some, but of all. And it says here in verse 19, he gave to the disciples and the disciples of the multitudes. Jesus here was the provider Jesus here was the producer, and the disciples were the distributors. <laughs> Isn't this a lesson that he teaches us, that he wants you to bring what you do have to him, that he will bless it so that you can also bless other people? Oftentimes in hours of crisis, maybe in your life, in your family's life, when your resources are low, but the need is very great, we have to remember that in God, he can and he will provide now. That God can do a lot with just a little. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 it says this. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father to be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what Jesus is looking for? He's looking for good stewardship. Good stewardship. What are you doing with what you do have? Oftentimes we want to say, Lord, well, if, if you brought me to this next place in life, Lord, I'll use this for your glory, these resources. But the Lord is saying, what are you doing with what you do have? Are you bringing it to me that I can bless it? Because here in the very next verse, it tells us what happens now. 
So they all ate, and they were filled, and they took up the 12 baskets that were full of fragments, and that remained. What happens? That they received, and notice this, they were filled. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to fill you. He wants to fill us with only what he can provide. He wants to satisfy. Filling means that he is going to satisfy our needs now. And and what do we do? We start with what you have. What do you have right now? Because if God's going to do a work in our lives, he's going to begin right where we are with right what, what we have right now. And he wants to multiply that. And then we can give it to Jesus now, and the, the miracle of multiplication now it happens in his hands. And as we give it to Jesus, now we obey what he commands. What did he command? Have the people sit down. Now he gave, he blessed and broke it. He gave it to the disciples now. He was the producer. They were the distributors now. And we, if we give him what we have, not only will he bless it, but we will end up with more than what we started now. But notice what, he, what, he, what happens here. Because Jesus wants us to be faithful with the results. (laughs) Oftentimes we give it to the Lord and then he blesses it. You know what he wants you to do? To be faithful with the results. Now notice what happens here in verse 20. So they all ate, they were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that had remained. Let nothing be wasted. (laughs) Is there anything that is being wasted that the Lord has put in your hands to be a steward of? Is there anything that God has given you that he wants you to use to minister to someone else? Because he he wants you to be faithful with the results. What is Jesus doing here? He's meeting the needs of them. He's showing that he is the only one that can really satisfy them if they come to him. And it says here, finally, in verse 21, And those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and besides children. Who is the one that's going to satisfy our needs? Who is the one that's going to provide for every single one of our needs? It's going to be Jesus. And oftentimes we worry so often about how much we don't have, instead of what we can do with what we do have, and bring it to the presence of the Lord, and see Him bless it, multiply it, and we be faithful to bless others with that which He has provided. It is in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said this, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Do you see here that even in this time, Jesus is saying he is the bread of life? Come to me, bring to me what you do have. You will be satisfied in Jesus Christ. Even today, we've come with a spiritual hunger. And oftentimes... What we try to do is we try to fulfill and satisfy that spiritual hunger in a lot of earthly things, and we never become full. We're living a life empty now. But a world that is so hungry is trying to feed off of empty things that never work. I want to ask you, are you trying to feed off of empty substitutes that don't bring you the satisfaction that the bread of life does? That only the bread of life can fill you. That only the bread of life can satisfy you. Because you see here that as you go to Jesus, he provides for that need and the spiritual need of your soul. Number one. But also for the physical need that you have. Faith in coming and bringing it to the Lord. What is it that maybe we're withholding to the Lord? And that's the reason why the blessing has not poured out in our lives. Now notice how not only faith leads to provision, but also faith leads through the storm. 
We can bring what we have to Jesus, but we can also look to Jesus. Faith that leads through the storm. Now, after this time, Jesus sent the disciples away. And in verse 22, it says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Well, he sent the disciples away or the multitudes away. You know, he told the disciples, go in a boat, go to the other side of the lake. He insisted, he invited them to spend time with him on the other side while he dismissed now the people. But it tells us that right after that, verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, when he had dismissed them after having filled them, notice what happens, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Would you underline that, please? What is it that we need to do, church? We need to go and find solitary places of prayer. When was the last time that you spent time alone to pray? Alone with the Father. See, Jesus understood that after meeting these needs, after even having a heavy heart, it was very important that he went for a divine refill in the presence of God. A divine refill in the presence of God. He understood that solitary prayer was important. Oftentimes, we break fellowship with the Lord and we feel very empty and frustrated. Even the ministry that we do and everything that we're doing, it really isn't ministering to anyone because it's not anointed because we haven't spent time in prayer. And Jesus didn't want to serve on empty. He wanted to be filled by the presence of the Father. He goes alone to pray. You know what? What is he praying for? Scripture tells us that Jesus spent time praying for the needs of others, for his disciples, for the will of the Father. And in verse 24, it says this, But the boat now was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like our lives, even recently? Jesus said, go. <laughs> Jesus put us on a boat oftentimes. But as we're going through this boat, as we're journeying and crossing over to the other side, it said that the disciples were in this boat and there was a heavy storm that was contrary now. That they felt the pressure, that they were against all odds, and they were fighting against heavy waves. What do you find yourself fighting against today? Do you feel that you're in a storm potentially? They're fighting against heavy waves of emotion, heavy waves of, of, of physical burdens, heavy waves of a, of a spiritual relationship that, that, that is not where it needs to be, that you feel that you're in spiritual warfare in the middle or in the eye of a storm. Now notice what happens here in the eye of the storm. A very proper and opportune time, it says that in verse 24, they found themselves in Almost great danger. They were tossed by the waves. <laughs> and we sometimes come to church being tossed by the waves. By the circumstances. Being tossed by situations. Being tossed by burdens and by pressures in life. But in verse 25 it says that in the fourth watch or about at 3 a.m. <laughs> look what happens. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Jesus went to them, and it, and it goes on, and it tells us, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled or afraid, and saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear now. <laughs> you see, there is something important here that we ought to learn. Number one, remind yourself, 
when you are in a storm, when God has called you to go do something and there is a storm there, that number one, He brought me here. <laughs> he brought you there. This storm, they were in this storm because they were in the will of God, not because they were out of the will of God, like Jonah. Remember Jonah? He went out, he wanted to rebel against the will of God. He found himself in a different type of storm. No, this storm was a storm that they were in because they were in the will of God. And I'll tell you this, oftentimes it is safer to be in a storm in the will of God than out in the land in the crowd outside of the will of God. That's exactly why we should never judge our security and our safety based off of circumstances. Oftentimes we say, well, I, I want to avoid that problem or that burden or that responsibility, but that very thing is what God is calling you to. There are two types of storms that you're going to face in life. There's going to be storms of correction, and there's going to be storms of perfection. <laughs> the storms of correction are when God wants to discipline us. And we're in a storm of correction to receive the discipline of God that God would allow us to learn what he wants to tell us. But there are other storms in which here the disciples find themselves. And these are the storms of perfection. <laughs> That's why we're in a storm. We have to cry out to God and say, Lord, is this a storm of perfection or a storm of correction? And the storms of perfection are those where God wants to help us grow. It's where God wants to take us into a storm to mature us now. They were in this storm because they obeyed Jesus to go onto the boat and go to the other side. And God had in mind, I need to perfect these men. Do you know that God oftentimes leads us with the storm? What do you have to remember? He brought me here. And number two, he will come to me. What did happen? That at 3 a.m. Jesus came to them. If God leads me, he's going to come to me at his own time, in his own perfect unexpected way there's a promise in isaiah chapter 42 verse 2 that says this but now thus says the lord who created you O jacob he who formed you O israel fear not you might find yourself in a very difficult situation fear not for i have redeemed you i have called you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters i will come to you and through the rivers they shall now overflow you when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. What does the Lord promise in the storm? His presence. His presence now. It says in verse 27, as they cried out, that immediately Jesus spoke to them. You know what Jesus wants to do even in the storms of life? He is ready to speak to you. Here, what we need to learn, am I listening in the storm? Am I listening to what God has for me? Am I listening as I'm being tossed by the waves, as I feel the pressure, as I'm fighting against heavy torrents of waves? Because Jesus comes and speaks here in this very verse 27. He says, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. <laughs> Maybe one of, some of you came today and you needed to hear that encouragement. It's I, don't be afraid. Take courage or be encouraged here is my presence, or my presence is present. I'm here. And Jesus comes to encourage, to give them joy, to give them a hope or faith in a time of fear. You know that faith is so necessary in our lives so that we can navigate through the storms of life? Because oftentimes what we feed is fear. 
And in that storm of perfection, we never grow. Here what happens is that Jesus is saying, my presence is here, do not fear. And Peter here responds now, understanding that Jesus has all the authority, understanding that Jesus has all the power. And Peter, notice what Peter says in verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. (laughs) Now oftentimes, we criticize Peter for being impulsive. But here Peter is really giving us a declaration or a strong manifestation of faith here. Lord, if that's you in the storm, if you're calling me out, call me to come out of the boat and walk on the water towards you. Jesus had to come walking on water through the storm, through the supernatural, through the powerful, through the impossible. But here he realizes that Jesus has the authority now and he demonstrates it in obedience. He says, Lord, if this is you, if this is you in this storm, order me to step out in faith. <laughs> How many of you guys need to pray that prayer today? Lord, if this is you in all these circumstances, then order me, command me, give me the order to step out in faith. You know, oftentimes, the Lord calls us to take steps of faith in the middle of storms. And we think oftentimes that everything has to be so perfect so that we can step out to walk a life of faith. This is an incredible picture here. This is a wonderful picture of walking in faith when he calls you. (laughs) Because what happens here? Peter is going to be called by God. And you're going to be called by God in a storm as well. Now notice how what happens here next because it says, so Jesus, he said, come now. And that word come is him calling Peter to step out of the boat onto the storm. (laughs) To step out of what is the known to the unknown and what is uncertain now. And it says here, come, and when Peter had come down out of the water of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How was he able to walk on the water to go to Jesus? Because his eyes was placed on Jesus. And he was walking on water. You see here a pattern of consistent miracles because he was living a life and a moment of faith here. A moment of faith here. Do you know that God's commandments when he tells you to come are also God's enablements? And when he says come, he will also accomplish his intended purpose on why he called you to come now. Whatever he starts, he will complete. (laughs) And that is the greatest encouragement for us today in the storm. That whatever he starts, he's going to finish now. That the impossible is going to be possible through the power of God as we focus on him. Notice what happens in verse 30 as he's walking on water, going towards Jesus. He was seeking Jesus. He was coming to Jesus. But when he saw, the wind was boisterous. You see, this is what happens in our lives oftentimes. That God calls us out to step out of the boat. And we start to look at the wind around, the circumstances around, the waves around, and we take our eyes off of Jesus and put them on circumstances. You know what the danger is? The danger is not the storm. The danger is your lack of faith. It is more dangerous to doubt in the power of God than to be in the middle of a storm. Because see what happens here, that they saw that the wind was strong and the waves were strong. And and in fact, he was what? Afraid. When was he afraid? He was afraid when he put his eyes on the circumstances. 
He was afraid when he put his eyes on the what ifs. <laughs> That's right, we as Christians can't be living in the what ifs. Can't be living and paralyzed in fear. Or what if this doesn't work out? Or what if I fail? Or what if I, I step out and I begin to sink? No, it says that he was distracted now by the things around him and he began to doubt. If we're going to live a life that is walking toward Jesus, taking steps of Jesus, we must not be distracted because distractions only bring doubt. Have you ever lived a, a life so close to Jesus? But then you started to become distracted because of the storms that were around you, the waves that were boisterous, the winds that were strong, fighting against what God had called you to do. And you know what started to happen in your mind? Doubt started to creep in. And you know what doubt does to you? It wavers you from what God has called you to do. And it says here in this very verse, verse 30, that he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. He started to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. He started to sink because he took his eyes off him who had called him to step out of the boat. In fact, what happens is that he cries out to Jesus. He was afraid now. He was distracted now. And Jesus responds this way when he cries out. Isn't it awesome that Jesus responds when we cry out to him in the middle of the storm, when we're sinking? <laughs> in fact, it, it is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. It says this, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to the prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And they cried out, he cried out now to Jesus, and immediately Jesus stretches out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? The power line here. O you of little faith, I called you to step out. And that which I began, I'm also going to accomplish. What does Jesus do? He stretches out his hand. He reaches out to catch him. And as he catches him, he tells him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know what doubt means? And, and, and it's very important that we realize what doubt means. Because doubt means that you're standing uncertainly at two different ways. That you have your focus on two different things. That's what doubt is. I'm looking at two options instead of looking at what God has said on one thing. I'm wavering now. I started in faith, but I'm ending in fear because I saw two ways instead of one. You see, that's what doubt does to you. It divides your vision and your obedience to the calling that God has for you. Where you're uncertainly looking at two ways instead of one. You see, when we start to doubt in the storm, it's very important that we remember those moments of doubt, that we remember what God has told us in the light. And stop looking at two ways. When God has called you to one way. In fact, what happens here in the next verses, it says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshipped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. They understood His Messiahship. They understood that He was the Christ, that He was the Messiah, that He was the Son of God. Now before we criticize Peter, let's honor him for his magnificent demonstration of faith that he boldly stepped out and he dared to be different. <laughs> you know, oftentimes we're not able to see how God wants to do miracles in the storm because we're too scared and we want to stay in the boat. 
And safety not, is not in the boat, but it's right where God has called us. It is more safe to be in the will of God than to be anywhere else with the crowd. Do you see how he, here we see this lesson of faith? It, it really speaks about that anyone can sit safely on the boat, on deck, but it takes a person of real faith to leave the boat and to walk on water. <laughs> you see why it's so dangerous? Not to storm, but our lack of faith during the storm. Notice, in this, in this, really, in these verses, we, we start to receive that you can weather any storm of life as, as you're stepping out in faith if you keep your eyes on Jesus. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, you will weather the storm. Notice what he says to him. Oh, you of little faith, why'd you doubt? Oftentimes we meet the miraculous with little faith. We meet the miraculous with doubt now. You know what little faith, how does it look? Little faith, how does that look? In fact, little faith always is eager for signs. Oh, Lord, if you just give me another sign. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign of little faith already. Oh, Lord, if you just work this out, then I know it's just you, Lord. You know what little faith also does? Little faith is always affected too much by its surroundings. Little faith is always affected by its surroundings. And little faith also does this. It's too quick. Little faith is too, to exaggerate the danger of obeying God. Well, if I just obey God, if I step out and if I do this, the peril is too great. The risk is too great. But no. In fact, what doubt and what discouragement and what fear really do to you when God has called you to come is that they rob you of the blessing. They rob you of the blessing. And doubt, you know what it does really when God's called you? It leads you to believe the worst. Well, faith leads you to believe in the promises of what God has said. Doubt will always lead you to believe the worst. That's why fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. Fear and faith will never be able to live in the same heart. Why? Because fear always blinds the eye to the presence of God. If you're living in fear, you will never experience the presence of God. That way, that's the reason why in storms we have to ask the Lord, Lord, you brought me here. You will come to me, but also you will help me grow. What was the, the purpose of this storm? To help the disciples grow. Yes, the storm wasn't easy, but notice this. The storm was necessary <laughs> so that they learned to depend on the Lord now, to teach him to trust him and to trust only in his word and not on anything else or what the circumstances may be. Yes, Lord, you brought me here. You will come to me. You will help me grow. But also you will see me through. Because when you recall the storm experiences, you remember that God has been so faithful and you can gain encouragement from there. Now notice in the following verse, verse 34. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. What does it tell us here? That they crossed over, that God saw them through. That Jesus saw them through the other side. Oftentimes we can't see the land as we're going through the storm. But as we trust in God. And in that growing process of trusting in Him. He's going to take us where we need to be. <laughs> Notice what happens here. Not only faith leads to provision. 
Not only does faith lead through the storm, but faith leads to seeking Jesus. Verse 34, it says this, And when they had crossed over to the land of Gennesaret, and when men of that place recognized him, they sent out into the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. They landed, they made it to the other side, and all those of the surrounding regions of whole areas now brought those who were sick to be healed by Jesus. Notice Jesus is consistently here doing miracles, and his hand now, of, or his powerful hand, is working in the lives of others as they bring them to him. But notice the incredible faith that it takes to seek Jesus. You want to see the power of God in your life? That it takes faith for you to go and to seek Jesus. To know that that's where your, the, the answers to your problems are. Where do you, are, are you looking for the answers to your problems this morning? Where are you looking for the healing that only comes from Jesus? Because in this very last word it says that, that Jesus had to go through a storm to get to them. <laughs> And notice when he gets there in verse 36, it says, it says, and they begged him. They were crying out to him. Oh, Lord Jesus, we beg you, we implore you. They were desperate for him. They were desperate for his presence. They were desperate to be there, to be able to touch him, to receive from him. They begged him. Oftentimes, we're desperate or more desperate for the presence of people or for the approval of people than for the power and the presence of God. What is it that you want most in life? Because it says they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many had touched it were made perfectly well or were healed now. They wanted to touch the hem of his garment. Why the hem of his garment? Because the hem was a point of contact for their faith. The hem of the garment of Jesus was their point of contact to their faith and the trust that they had in him. How many of us need to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus today? So that we can realize there is healing in him. So that we can realize that when we come to him, our needs are met. So that we realize that when we're going through the storm, as we keep our eyes on him, he can see us through to the other side. That he brought us here and he will help us grow and he will see us through. And then finally, what happens here? They come and they say, we beg you, Lord, that we can simply touch the hem of your garment. What's the hem of his garment? The hem of his garment represents the faith and the power and the presence of God. And today what we want to do is say, Lord, we know that all our needs, every single one of our needs are met there, are met at the hem of your garment are met where we trust in your presence, where we trust in your power. It's so sad to be able to see when we are so frustrated because we're looking to get our fulfillment from anywhere outside of his presence, from anywhere outside of the hem of the garment of Christ. The hem of the garment, you know how you can touch the hem of the garment of Christ? There's no way that you can touch the hem of the garment until you get close. <laughs> And a lot of us want to experience the power of God being distant from Him. You want to see miracles from a distant. No, what it takes is that you need to get close to touch that hem. You'll never experience the power of God when you're living a life outside of His will. You'll never experience the hem of His garment until you get close to Him, until you become intimate with Christ. 
I'm going to ask you this morning, what is standing in the way of you and Jesus? What is standing in the way of you and Jesus Christ this morning? Because that is the point of contact, His presence, to meeting every single one of your needs this morning. The very person, the very power, and the very presence of Jesus Christ. Can we pray? Lord, we thank you, God. These are the results in believing in you. That our needs are be, can be met, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you give us a hunger, a thirst for your presence. That we would become hungry for God. It would be real, Lord, that we would be hungry for your word, for your power, for your presence, Lord. Let us not be distracted that we waver as we're looking at the waves, that we're living in the what ifs, that we never experience your miraculous hand and power, God. But I pray that we would come and touch the hem of your garment. that our needs would be met there. That we would not end in fear when we started in faith. Because fear will blind the eye to the presence of God. Lord, remind us that you are so near and ready to meet our needs. Your word says that we ought to cast our cares upon you because you care for us cast our care, that means that we roll it away from us. We cast our care, that means that we cast it upon the Lord. That we throw it away from us, that care, that burden. And today we want to cast the burden away from us, the burden of discouragement, the burden of doubt, the burden of fear. Cast that away, Lord, because you know, we know that you are so ready to meet our need. If we just come and touch the hem of your garment, Maybe today you have a need, a specific need, a need when it comes to provision where you want to see the Lord's powerful hand of multiplication and provision in your life. Well, know this, when you honor the Lord and you come to Him with what you have, He will bless it. Or maybe you have a need when it comes to the storm. As He's leading you, we become very fearful of living in the unknown and we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. We started to look at what the media said. We started to look at what the world said. We started to look at what people said, how people live their lives instead of walking on that water towards Jesus and saying, Lord Jesus, it doesn't matter what's going on the left or the right of me. I'm just walking towards you. I'm going to live a life of faith. And that's how I'm going to experience the presence of God. You will never experience the presence of God looking at the waves. Take your eyes off the waves today. Take your eyes off the storm. Or maybe today you need to remove whatever's standing in the way so that you can get close and touch the hem of the garment of Christ 
And if you have that need, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you right where you are. I see your hand. Praise God, I see your hand. I see your hand back there. I see your hand over here. Praise the Lord. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. You'd minister to them right now. Minister to them through your word. That we would put our eyes back where they belong, our attention, our focus. And that nowhere else, God, and in nothing else, we would seek to be satisfied. Because this world, this life is so temporary. I pray, Lord, that we would not live an entire, our entire lives in doubt and fear, but that we would live our lives in confidence and courage, Lord. That we would have great faith in what you've told us to do. This world wants to divide us and fill us with doubt, Lord, when you've called us to live a life of faith. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, from doubting in what you want to do in our lives. We put our life in your hands. We trust in you. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that need a fresh touch of the hem of your garment this morning. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Together we said, amen. Can we praise the Lord? Why don't we stand? I'm going to sing this song. We're going to sing this song and let's just thank the Lord. Let's come to the Lord in gratitude. This is not a closing song. This is a, a song where we want to just worship the Lord. We want to thank the Lord.
trust you anyway. Sing every breath. Every breath I breathe in invitation to believe you are creating something good. Though this season doesn't tell my story, I know you'll move mountains for me. bring a friend, bring your family. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to be such a, have a special time together after the service right here. And, you know, there's a backdrop. You want to take pictures with your family. You want to write something on that fence that you're grateful for. Please stick around. You know, don't leave right away. And let's fellowship together. God bless you all.